Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you do love us and that in loving us you continue to share with us your word and the future you have for us. Lord, help us to be people that focus on your love. Help us to allow your love to saturate our lives and to affect who we are, what we do and how we see life. And Lord, as we think about your love today, bless us and open up our hearts and minds. Give us a sense of your presence and remind us, remind us truly that you do love us. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We're beginning this sermon series, this worship series called Faith Foundations, which as I said at the start is the basics. It's kind of a basic of Christianity. And it's not something though you can say, oh well I've done that, I can tick that off. Um, I, can, I can snooze through the next nine weeks of sermons. Um, some people might do that anyway, but it's not, that's not what it's about. It's in fact, every time I go back to the basics, something fresh comes up, something um, a different perspective. Now, I'll admit I know some of this stuff very quite easily, but it's important for me, and I encourage you to have that approach. And today, though, we're, we're looking at something that's extremely important for us. It's actually foundational. It's all, all the umbrella for our faith, and that is God's love is the essential foundation. And the reason we look at this as the essential foundation, why this is so important for all of us, is this is what we see is essential will shape us, it will influence us, it will affect our decisions, and it will affect our emotions. I learnt this greatly, greatly when I was in my previous career vocation as a small business consultant. I'd work with a lot of people in small businesses. And one of the challenges that would happen with people who are partners would have different beliefs about, beliefs about what was essential for them in their business. And believe it or not, the most difficult partnerships in business were husbands and wives. Would you believe it? <laughs> right? And the reason is they often came to the business without much thought of the reasons why they were going into business, except for one or two things. But they hadn't discussed what was important and what was essential. And the most common thing went along these lines. One of the people in the business says, we're going into this business to make lots of money. We're going to be millionaires. And that was their focus. And the other person was, we're going into this business so we can spend time together, quality time. We can have a comfortable living but have quality time together. And if they hadn't discussed this and they haven't realised this, you know what happens? They often had conflicts about what was happening. One would say, why are you spending so much time in the business? You aren't spending time with me. The other would say, oh, don't you realise how important money is? And there'd be this conflict that happened. Well, the same is true for our Christian faith. The same is true for us as Christians and, the, and our involvement in the church. What we believe is essential affects us. It affects our outlook on the church. It affects how we see things. It influences how we go about life. It affects how we view Christianity. It even affects our relationship and connection with the church. So I have two questions for you to think about, just to reflect on, to think about. What is essential for you in Christianity? If someone was to ask you, what's most important about your faith, what would you say? What are the things that are important in your faith that you would die for? Maybe a, a question that you could ask. And secondly, this other question, what is important for you if you're involved in a church? What's important for you 
at the church? What are the things that are important? Well, here are some of those things that people, I've come across as a pastor, that people see important. One of those is that we be a welcoming community. We be friendly and welcoming. We, we have doors open. We, we make sure we're welcome. Another is that worship's the most important for us. Some people, for, Christian, for their Christian faith, it's having good morals and living out those good morals and everybody else doing. For others, it's the teachings or the doctrine of the church is most important. Over the last few years, there's quite probably 10 years, I've noticed this movement of prayer has become very important for everybody. I was, my previous congregation, there were people who would say, we can't make a decision until we've prayed about it, which is a good thing. And prayer was the most important thing for them. For others who are Christian, the most important thing is that we care for those in need and for others we care for each other in the church. For many people, it's friendships. and that, Can I have friends in the church? A significant reason why some people stop going to church is they haven't developed friendships within the church. For some people, it's traditions. You know, the particular traditions that we have. Well, the traditions in worship or traditions at church. They say the church is the hardest place to change things, even when the rest of the world has changed. For some people, it's suitable buildings. And that could be anything. Um, I came across one congregation that wouldn't put heating in their building because it would affect the aesthetics of the building. And yet it was freezing. For some people, the most important thing about church or being a Christian is the Bible studies, that we're regularly in God's Word. For other people, it's the rules. For other people, and and the rules, um, I don't know if, I haven't come across this yet here. But occasionally I come across congregations where there is the constitutional expert. You know the type of person, they come to a meeting and they've got the folder with the constitution and all the minutes and the rules and everything else is there and the rules are more important than anything else. And for some people it's a particular style and for others it could be that we're just relevant, we be relevant. Now all these things are not bad in themselves but they become a problem when we make them the most essential, most important thing about being a Christian. To the exclusion of God's love. Because the essential thing for us as a Christian is this. The essential thing is God's love for us. Can you say that? The essential thing is God's love for us. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9-10 to 10 says... This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And John chapter 3 verses 16 to 17 again reminds us of God's love is the essential foundation for our life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's love is crucial, it is essential, it is what underpins, it is what is foundational for our life. I was thinking about this this week, I said, what's a good analogy to come up with this? How important is God's love? See, worship is essential. If you come and speak to me and say, for the Christian faith, 
what are some things I should be doing? I'd say, you should be worshipping, you know, worshipping, reading the Bible, praying. These things are good and healthy for you. It's not that they're bad, but we should always do those things. Everything we're involved in the church should always be seen through the lens of God's love. Because God's love is like the fuel for our Christian life. It's what gives our life meaning, what helps us. And so one of the analogies I come up was, imagine, imagine someone come up to you and said, I've got a brand new car for you. In fact, imagine if Peter come up and says, I want to give you my car. And here's the keys. And in fact, I've put, I've had it all cleaned. It's got nice new seat covers. It's got beautiful, you know, it's beautiful. It's got a five-year warranty. And you go, thanks. And you get in the car you turn the engine and nothing happens because he hasn't given you any fuel. Often, it's the same in the Christian church at times. We can look at our faith. We can grab hold of our faith and we can look at the various elements we get involved with, prayer, worship, Bible study, teaching, friendship, fellowship. And they're all good, healthy things and actually help us in our faith. But if we don't see them, if we don't have God's love in them, We don't have the fuel for the Christian church. We don't have the fuel that God wants us to have. Because our Christian lives are about what God has done, what God is doing and what God will do for us and through us. Now, for some years, I had a difficulty with this. And I'll be honest, I had a real problem because I saw the consequences where this can go if people don't understand this fully. And the consequence that I saw was I saw what I call, I've termed, the Yobbo Christian. And the Yobbo Christian for me is this picture. I don't need to do anything, so I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to sit back, have a beer, and let life go on around me. And I don't care if people are in need. I don't care if things are happening, because I know God loves me. Now, here's the truth. God always loves us. God always is loving us. But God doesn't want us to take that love for granted. doesn't want us to sit back and say, oh yeah, I'm right, everything's going, I'm right, I'm going to heaven, no hassles. Our love affects who we are, what we do, and how we relate to people. And so it's God, we need God's love not just for our salvation, not just to make sure we're in heaven. We need God's love for our life today. Sometimes we don't notice it. We don't notice how important God's love is for us until a major drama happens. My family live in the Wimmera, and just north of the Wimmera in Victoria is a place called the Mallee. Um, and about oh, a number of years ago, I'd, I'd say, they had a major drought. Now, I looked at this drought and I shared the story with my oldest daughter at the time. And I said, you wouldn't survive because you need a long shower. One of my cousins was having a shower every second day for no more than two minutes. His family talk about, his family talk about how much that drought, why it was painful, that helped them appreciate that just for the necessities of life, how much they'd be blessed by God's love. That when they ate food on the table, they gave thanks to God. And so I'd encourage you to think about just the necessities, the basics of life, 
Be thankful for what God has done. But also to be able to love others. We need God's love. We need God's love in us. We need God's help. And God promises to help us and to guide us. And so it's important to keep this in mind. Our Christian life is not primarily about what we do. Yes, God calls us to be doing stuff. Yes, God encourages us to be doing stuff. Yes, God wants us to be doing stuff. But that's not the most important thing. And when we mess up, God still loves us. There's a gentleman called Francis Chan. He's been a pastor and he's now a Christian speaker. And he makes this statement about God's love. He said for many years he knew God's love. And he said he knew God loved him in his head. Very academically. He knew God was a God of love. But he said in his heart, in his emotions, he didn't really know that. And the reason he didn't know that, he, he, he struggled with this for years. He said the reason I didn't know that was... The reality was, I did not have a good relationship with my father. I never knew what it was to be loved by a father. He said, oh, and then he goes, then I matured. Then I realised, I never thought I knew what it was to be loved by a father. He said, my father, I've now come to appreciate, is imperfect. And he tried to love me his way. He didn't always love me in a way that I accepted But the reality is, Francis Chan said instead of looking at his father to get a definition of love, what he did was start looking at the Bible, start looking at who God is. And so for us as Christians, God's love being foundational means this. It means, first of all, we will define love by looking at God. It's very easy for us to say we don't feel loved. Have you ever said that? I don't feel loved. Or maybe your kids have said it at some stage. I know I I can recall at at least one time going through the supermarket. My kids saying to me, you don't love me. And you know what the reason was? I wouldn't buy them a chocolate. I still love them, but I didn't show them in the way they thought love was. And that is also our problem as times as humans. We can live life going, I don't feel God loves us. Especially when we, get, we have difficult times. And I'll get to the difficult stuff a bit late in a few moments. But the truth is God is always loving us. As our Psalm 136 says, God's love is always there. It is forever. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't notice it. And so one of the things of God's love being foundational for our life What we do is we let God define what love looks like. Because as 1 John says, God is love. The second point that's important for us is that we aim to be with God and not get from God. If God's love is foundational, our life is not so much about getting stuff from God. Yes, we will pray to God, like my cousins did during the drought, pray for rain. Yes, we'll ask God for stuff, but that's not the major reason we pray. That's not the major issue that we have. It's not the primary thing. It's not about us treating God as a vending machine. It's about us spending time with God. Spending time with God is important if God's love is foundational. Thirdly, and this is important, we see that all people, including ourselves, regularly need God's forgiveness. 
And this is not about being judgmental. It's not about going up to someone. It's not about me going to my wife and saying, Veronica, you know what you did last night? You need God's forgiveness. Do you know how well that would go? <laughs> it's not about that. It's about, first of all, saying, I need God's forgiveness. And if I need God's forgiveness, that means I've stuffed up somewhere. And I need to come to before God humbly and ask for forgiveness. And if I'm not sure, I also need to go, hmm, God, show me. Because sometimes we've got blinkers on. We don't see we've done wrong. We don't see how we've gone about life in a way that's not pleasing to God. But what does it mean if we see other people need God's forgiveness? Well, think about the reason God forgives. God doesn't want you to confess sin. I don't, we don't have confession of sin in our church to shame you. God doesn't want you to acknowledge your sin so he can say, see, you don't deserve to be with me, go away. The reason God wants to offer you forgiveness is to say, I love you and you're welcome. And so that could mean having gentle conversations with people. It, could, it also means not trying to exclude people. The problem with our lives, if we live in this Western world in particular, is that we have this view of good and bad people. I can open up the newspaper and I can go, thank God I'm not like that person. Thank goodness I'm not like that rugby player. It's easy to find fault in others, isn't it? It's easy to highlight the sin in other people. But what happens if somebody has sinned? And often when we do that, we do that to exclude to not be, have a relationship with him. But what happens if there is someone in your life that has sinned? Ignoring it is not that best way, but going full on and saying, you have sinned and you... telling them off is not the best way. It's about having gentle conversations with them. One way, and it's not the only way, one way some people do that, this is, particularly with another Christian, is to open up the scriptures and say, let's see what God says about this. As part of... Um, our series, the sheet that I gave out, the, the personal reflection sheet, one of the things I encourage you to do in the, the main sheet um, is to have time thinking about what is our worship's focus this week encourages us to go before God with and one of those things is to confess sin. Allow God's word to affect you and to encourage you in confessing sin. The fourth point, and this is connected to the forgiveness. As Christians, as people who live under God's love, we can always be assured of our salvation. Because it's not about us. There's a discussion that often goes about, um, about religion versus the Christianity or religion versus the gospel. And what that's about, is, as they identified, is often people who are religious are so concerned about what they have to do, so concerned about how good they are. And religion often is communicated this way, that I'm never sure if I'm going to be forgiven. I'm never sure if I've said the right words. I'm never sure if I've done the right things. I'm never sure if I really feel remorse in my heart. That's religion. The gospel is, it's not about you. It's about God's love and God's saying, See what Jesus did on the cross? That is what assures you a place in heaven. 
All you need to do is trust and believe. And lastly, God's love being foundational means we know God is with us all the time. We know God is with us in all situations, helping us in all situations, in the good, but particularly in the difficult. One of the big myths, one of the big misconceptions, one of the lies that is told is that this has happened to you because God is punishing you. Open up the scriptures. There are, and I, that, that myth will be confronted. There are times where we'll do stuff, like if I speed, if I try to do 200 kilometres down the M1, I know at least I'm going to get a fine. Right? There are consequences for some of our actions. But when life goes tough, when things are going wrong in your life, don't jump to the conclusion that it's a punishment from God. Because if that was the case, something's gone wrong. Because all the wicked people would die early and all the good people, all the people who love God, would live longer. The truth is, the scriptures reveal to us very clearly when life is tough, when things are going wrong, God hasn't deserted you. Sometimes he will use situations to make things better. It may look bad to us at that time, but he'll use situations to make things better. It may humble us. And when I'm saying humble us, it's not a shameful thing. You may go, hmm, I need to rely on God more. I need to listen to him more. Sometimes it may use situations for his good. One of my favourite Bible stories is the story of Joseph. And it has a text which kind of is one of the texts that underpin my life as a Christian. I don't know if you know the story of Joseph. Many of you will know. But Joseph was a young man of about 11 or 12, you know, of a family, large family. And he had a problem. And his problem was he was young. Um, we may call it small man syndrome but he was cocky with his brothers. And he had some gifts. And he portrayed how good he was to his brothers. And part of that, this is what he said to his brothers one day. I had a dream. And in that dream, there were 12 sheaves of wheat bowing down to me. Those 12 sheaves, you each are one of those sheaves. Now imagine if you were Joseph's brother. Would you take that well? Well, what he did... What happened next was his brother got angry with him over time and, and they ended up selling him off as a slave but then told dad he'd been killed. So Joseph is a slave for a number of years and he ends up in Egypt, in another country. And in that country, Joseph manages to become the most, one of the most senior officials working for the, the pharaoh. And he had power like you would not believe. Well, what happened in his family's country, what happened was they had a drought, a major famine. And so they come to Egypt looking for food and they pleaded with this official who was Joseph. They didn't recognise him. Well, could you think about yourself? You're one of the sons. You've sold him off as a slavery. You're desperate for food and you've told your father, that he's dead. And yet before this person, asking for food, and Joseph reveals to them this. I'm your brother. 
Hey, how'd you feel? <laughs> well, they were petrified. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were worried. From a human point of view, they probably thought revenge was going to happen. But what happened was Joseph makes this statement. What you intended for evil or bad, God has used for good. In other words, Joseph was saying, if you hadn't done that, which you intended for bad to get rid of me, God has turned the situation around and used it for good so you can be blessed and get food. The truth is, sometimes that happens. Sometimes, sometimes, we don't get that, but we do have God walking with us. Psalm 23 is the greatest reminder of that. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me, your rod and your staff protect me. And so living under God's love is recognising that life will not always be easy. That God is not our personal vending machine just to, to fix up problems and make life great. But God is with us through those difficult times. And so my encouragement to you is as we go through this series, this Faith Foundation series, as we look at the various elements, which includes God's value with the Ten Commandments, which includes God's identity, the, the Apostles' Creed, which includes talking with God, which is about prayer, the Lord's Prayer, which includes God's connecting to us through baptism, which includes God forgiving us, confession, absolution, which includes God being intimate with God in communion. Look at each of these not as something separate, but something that is part of God's love. Look at each of these through God's love. But even better, as you live your life, allow your life to be defined and shaped by God's love. When God looks at you, he looks at someone he loves. When you live your life, he looks at you as someone he loves and wants to help. But not only that, he also wants to help others get to know his love through you. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the love you have for us. Continue to pour down your spirit on us. Help us to know how much we are loved. Help us to understand what that means for us. And help us to share your love generously with others. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.